All right, good morning. He is risen. Amen and amen. Well, welcome to church. My name is Pastor Mac, and it's my absolute pleasure to welcome all of you to service this morning, this beautiful Easter morning. We praise the Lord for this beautiful, beautiful day. Birds are chirping. Um, I also had a bird blessing with a special blessing. Pooped on me while I was playing the drums. So praise the Lord. According to Rachel, it's um, it's good luck. So I guess that means for, uh, it's going to make for a fantastic sermon. Amen, Rachel? Amen. My wife saw me and she says, what's that on your shirt? And I said, I don't know. And I went to the bathroom and it was poop coming off my forehead onto my shirt. So happy Easter morn. Amen. Well, again, it's my honor to say welcome to service this morning. And praise the Lord that we've made it through the Lenten season. We've made it through our Lenten fast. We've made it through the lament that is Lent. And today is the celebration of the first Sunday in Easter. And here at Redeemer Community Church, we celebrate Easter for seven weeks. And so for seven weeks, we will feast on the goodness of our resurrected Savior. And we will celebrate all that his resurrection affords us as his friends and his followers. Amen? Amen. And praise be to God. One of the things I've given up for, I gave up for Lent, is watching television on my phone. And I don't know if anybody's like me, but um, I kind of need TV to fall asleep. Is anybody else that way? Just me? All right. Thank you, Ashley. All right. All right. Thank you, Stephanie Way in the back. I think some people just putting up their hands to not make me feel bad. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless you. And so... Last night was particularly difficult. Our son was having trouble sleeping, and I thought, well, I think it's Easter, so I'll just watch some ESPN or something until he goes back to sleep, but praise be unto the Lord. So now, when you came in this morning, you should have received the small magnifying glass. If you have that, go ahead and hold it up for me. If you have the small magnifying glass. And before we get into the sermon, go ahead and hold it up if you have it. Hold it up for me. Don't be shy. All right. And so before we get into the sermon, I want to tell you a little bit about the prop, this, this magnifying glass. Speaking about TV, one of the things that my wife and I enjoy to do together is to watch TV, especially at night. Both of our days are filled with a lot of working and various other tasks, caring for our son and our home. And at the end of the day, we just like to plop on the couch and watch a little bit of TV. The problem, unfortunately, is that we don't really enjoy watching a lot of the same things, right? She enjoys like old period pieces like Downton Abbey and some of those things. Um, and I can be as far away from those things as possible. But every once in a while, the stars align, the Lord smiles on us, and we find a show that we like and that we, we like a lot. And no show has hit the mark quite as well as the show Sherlock. The BBC English show Sherlock, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. And both of our opinions, is probably the best show ever put on television. And if you don't know about it, it's a modern rendition of the old novel series, uh, Sherlock Holmes, the super detective. And the show follows Sherlock Holmes as he goes, he goes about cracking some of the most difficult and seemingly uncrackable cases. And it involves a bunch of crazy plot twists and turns. And and one of the cool things about the way he investigates crime is how he's able to piece together 
all of these little pieces of information, things that are, are that we miss as just you know novel uh, or excuse me as, as novice uh, uh, investigators ourselves. He's able to piece together the information and clues in order to figure out almost exactly how the crime happened, and then ultimately who is the culprit, who committed the crime. And one of his primary tools in the investigation is what? A magnifying glass. A magnifying glass. And so today, we all have magnifying glasses because we are going to get our Sherlock Holmes on today. Amen? We're going to get our Sherlock Holmes on today, and we are going to follow along with the heroes in our story and investigate this morning the case of the empty tomb. Everybody say the tomb is empty. Amen. And so we are going to investigate the case of this empty tomb. We're going to learn what this tomb can tell us about the significance of Easter, about the significance of this Resurrection Sunday and this Easter season. So we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. If you'd like to follow along with us, we'll pray together and then we will dig in. And so Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. I also want to say, God bless you, those who are home. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this morning. A very special welcome to you as well. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel of the Lord said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They clasped his feet. And worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Please pray with me, friends. Dear Lord, we thank you so much. For the blessing that is this Resurrection Sunday. Father, we thank you. We thank you. That you would be so kind to us. To give us your son. That he would die in our place. So that you could redeem us. And so that we could indeed be your children. Your sons and daughters. That we could be the recipients of eternal life of heaven forever with you, of eternal bliss, of eternity by and by. And, O oh Lord, I thank you 
that on that third day, this very day, you raised him from the dead. And, oh, Lord, we thank you that he reigns. Today, as I preach this text, I pray for your grace, Lord. I pray for the helping power of Holy Spirit, that your word will be proclaimed with clarity, with conviction, and, oh, Lord, you would add to it your effectual power to accomplish in the hearts and the minds of every single person here, every person viewing at home, exactly what it is you've set your word forth to do in our lives. May your name be glorified. May your name be glorified, O Lord, this Resurrection Sunday. And all this we ask in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And amen. So, taking a look at our passage this morning, we know from the Gospel of John that after Jesus' death, after he breathed his last on the cross, which we observed on Good Friday through a fantastic service. By the way, shout out to Amy and Corey and all those who put on that fantastic Good Friday service. It was fantastic. You can clap for them. You can clap for them. Praise the Lord. Amen. On Good Friday, we, 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 we thought about, we considered the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And after his death, his body had been taken down from the cross by Nicodemus and another man named Joseph. And these men wrapped Jesus in linen cloths and a mixture of myrrh and aloes, and they placed him in a tomb, a tomb that Joseph himself, one of these men, had purchased. And Matthew chapter 27, verse 61, right before our passage, it tells us that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the two Marys of our story, that they were sitting directly across from the tomb, keeping watch of all of these things, right up until the tomb, the tomb was sealed with a large stone. And so our passage this morning in Matthew 28, it begins by telling us that these women, these two Marys, Mary and Mary, or Mary, Mary, you pick it up, you got it, that these two Marys were going to the tomb this morning, and they were going just to look at the tomb. Matthew tells us that they were going to the tomb because they wanted to see again the resting place of their dear friend. They wanted to see the resting place of their rabbi, their Lord, who recently died and been placed in that tomb. How bad they were on their way to the tomb, we read that the ground shook as an angel of the Lord rolls the stone away, revealing that the tomb was in fact empty. These women went to the tomb looking for a place to continue to mourn and grieve the loss of Jesus. But, oh, brothers and sisters, when they arrived at the tomb, they learned that Jesus was no longer there. They learned that Jesus was no longer there. You see, these women went to the tomb in search of a dead man. These women went to the tomb looking for a place to continue to mourn and grieve the loss of Jesus. But again, the tomb was empty. Their search for Jesus had led them to an empty tomb. And brothers and sisters... Let me tell you something. 
the search for Jesus will always lead to an empty tomb. The search for Jesus will always lead us to an empty tomb because he is risen and oh yes, he is risen indeed. And an empty tomb, brothers and sisters, tells us a lot of what we need to know about Jesus' resurrection. And so this morning we're going to investigate this empty tomb and see just what it is we can learn about our resurrected Savior and what he affords us from his resurrection. We will learn that Jesus is risen. And for that reason, brothers and sisters, we who trust in him, we have peace this morning and not fear. We will learn this morning that we have mercy and not judgment and that ultimately we have Jesus himself for ourselves. And so the first person is this, the first point is this for those of you at home. You should see the slide, you should see the slide on your screen. We find from this empty tomb that Jesus is indeed risen. And so as we enter into the tomb, I want you to imagine you have your magnifying glasses. Hold those magnifying glasses up. Hold them up. Now don't hold them up directly into the sun or like Bernie Mac says, you'll blow your head clean off. Don't hold them up too close to the sun, but hold those up. And as we enter into the tomb with our magnifying glasses, the first thing that we see here is that an important piece of the picture is missing. An important piece of a tomb is missing. And what's that? A corpse. A dead body. And instead of a corpse, however, we find that cloths that once wrapped Jesus the very cloths that Mary and Mary saw Jesus wrapped in as he was laid in the tomb, they are now neatly folded and sitting in the place where he used to lie. And so we take that piece, using our investigative skills, we take that piece and we put it together with what Jesus has said over and over again in the Gospels about him being raised from the dead. And we put that together with the glorious angel who sits by the tomb, who's leading these women through the investigation, says that he is risen just as he says. And what has happened in this tomb becomes exceptionally clear. Jesus has risen. Now, here's the question, brothers and sisters. Why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? What is the importance of Jesus rising? Why is Easter such a big deal for us? Well, friends, because without the resurrection, we have no Christian faith. Without the resurrection, we have no Christian religion. You see, Jesus died on the cross, and when he did so, he died for our sins. Amen? When he died on the cross, he was essentially being sacrificed as the atonement or payment for our wrongdoings or sins against God. You see, brothers and sisters, especially if you're new to church here, what happens is we've sinned. We've done the things that God has commanded that we shouldn't do. And our sins deserve judgment from God. But Jesus, the Son of God, he chose to be sacrificed in our place so that we could be forgiven. Jesus essentially steps in front of us and takes the punishment for our sin upon himself. 
But where Jesus is that serves as the payment for our sins, his resurrection effectually serves as the receipt of the transaction, if you will. Jesus' resurrection is the necessary indication that his atonement or payment for our sins has indeed been accepted. Jesus' resurrection proves that the transaction is 100% complete. Let's put it this way, brothers and sisters. When you go to Walmart or Kroger or Publix, right? How many of you guys like going to Walmart? Raise your hand. That might get me in trouble saying that. I always find Walmart to be a, quite a, an adventure, especially depending on which one you go to. I'll just say the local Walmart is quite an adventure every single time I go to that one. But let's say you go to Walmart or you go to Kroger, you go to Publix and you're checking out at the register. And after all your items have been scanned, it's time to enter your payment, right? Cash or credit. Either the screen will ask you that or the cashier, the personal cashier would ask you that. And here's the thing, brothers and sisters. It doesn't matter how much money you put into the machine or how much cash you give the, the cashier. It doesn't matter how, what credit card you, or debit card or gift card you put into the machine or, or swipe or give to the cashier. The transaction is not complete until the tender or the payment is accepted and then what? That receipt comes out, right? Until that receipt comes out. And that receipt says that your payment is sufficient and fully accepted. And so, friends, Jesus' resurrection is that glorious moment that God the Father looks at you and me and says, payment accepted. Jesus' resurrection is that glorious moment that God the Father looks at us and says, all sins are forgiven and all debts are paid. It's the moment that God looks at us and says that our slates are wiped clean. And as the good apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians 8, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But here's the thing about this transaction. It requires that we believe. It requires that we believe. In order for that transaction to count on our behalf against our debt, it requires that we believe. You see, the empty tomb at that time, it wasn't good news for every person in this story, right? Remember, there were some guards standing by the tomb. We don't know how many, but there were some guards standing by the tomb. And Matthew tells us in verse 4 that when the angel appeared, they were terrified. They were so scared that they fell out like dead men. Later on in verses 11 through 15, we learn that they were so afraid that they actually went to the religious leaders, these guards. And they went to the religious leaders, who the ones who put Jesus to death, and they schemed up a plan a lie about what happened that day so that they wouldn't be put to death for their failing to guard the tomb successfully. You see, brothers and sisters, these guards and their lack of integrity shows us that this empty tomb is not good news to everybody. 
nor for those who refuse to believe the clear evidence, the empty tomb serves as a source of great fear. For those who oppose the truth of the resurrection, brothers and sisters, the empty tomb serves as a sign of failure. A sign that how they've been living and what they've been trusting in is simply not working. For them, brothers and sisters, the empty tomb reveals a meaninglessness of, of life. The empty tomb causes them to scramble for any means of safety or security or purpose just so they can make it another day. Brothers and sisters, the fact is this. There is no true peace for these men. There is no true peace for anyone who chooses to not accept the reality of the empty tomb. And so the question for all of us this morning is this. What is the tomb telling you? What is the tomb saying to us? As we investigate this tomb this morning, how are we responding? Maybe you're here this morning and, and you see where you've been like these guards. You've looked for meaning and comfort and everything that you can find except, except what we've come to be true this morning about the empty tomb. You look for meaning in everything except this truth that Jesus is resurrected and that he offers you greater meaning and greater comfort than all the other stuff you try. So as we go through this sermon this morning, I want you to consider, won't you give Jesus a try this morning? Won't you give him a try? Give Jesus a try because as we go on a further inspection of this tomb, we will find, like the women in our story, that the empty tomb affords us an exceptional, exceptional amount of peace and not fear. And this is our second point this morning. The empty tomb reveals that Jesus' resurrection has afforded us peace and not fear. Now, when the women arrive at the tomb, the angel tells them in verses 5 through 7, it says, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And when we take a closer look at these verses, we find that the angel was actually commanding them. He was commanding these women to react differently than the guards who'd been scared quite literally stiff. He was literally telling the women to not be afraid like the guards because unlike the guards, these women were sincerely seeking Jesus. And what we learn, brothers and sisters, is that for those who seek Jesus, for those who sincerely seek Jesus, the empty tomb is a source of peace. And not fear. For those who come seeking Jesus with sincere hearts, like the two Marys, the case of the tomb reveals that the resurrected Christ is himself a source of great peace for our lives. Now, friends, let me just take a moment to address the fact that not being afraid today often seems easier said 
been done. Amen. When I was growing up in the areas and cities and places that I've grown up, uh, it wasn't it wasn't uncommon to hear about a murder pretty much every night on the news or robberies or things of that nature. And that was terrible enough to hear about those things so often. On the rare occasion, you may hear of a mass shooting. On a rare occasion, you heard of a Columbine or something of that nature. But this week, brothers and sisters, I've read of something like 20 mass shootings in the past two weeks alone in our country. 20 mass shootings. Last year, 2020, the lost year we call it, our world came to a screeching halt through a coronavirus pandemic. And now when it looks like we may be nearing the end of this thing, or at least the beginning of the end, there's these variants popping up now. And we're hearing of driving more surges in cases and things of that nature. And brothers and sisters, if it wasn't enough that, that minorities in our country, we fear the injustices politically, injudicially, economically, among other categories of injustice in our country now, our Asian brothers and sisters are being attacked in the streets for no good reason. Brothers and sisters, how in the world are we not supposed to be afraid when this world is so screwed up? How are we not supposed to be afraid? Well, when we, like these women in our story, the heroes of our story, when we enter the tomb and see the place where Jesus once lay wrapped up like a mummy, and how now that place is vacant, vacant with the claws neatly folded. We come face to face with the fact that Jesus himself has overcome death and the grave. And what that means for those of us who place our trust in him, brothers and sisters, is that if Jesus overcame sin, if Jesus overcame death, if Jesus overcame hell, and if Jesus overcame the grave, then there is absolutely nothing in our lives and in our world that Jesus cannot overcome. So we have no reason to fear because Jesus has overcome all that there is for us to fear. And as the good apostle says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 54 and 55, he says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? And as the Apostle John says in 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. But, those who, but, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
And as the Lord Jesus himself says in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And so, friends, put that together and say it a little differently. The perfect love of Christ, who laid down his life for us, conquers all fear and grants peace to those of us who trust in him. And so the verdict, or one of the verdicts on the case of the empty tomb is the resurrection grants us peace that overcomes all fear. For those who trust in Jesus, the resurrection is a source of peace and not fear. But upon further inspection of the tomb, we find that the evidence doesn't only support the verdict of peace. It doesn't only support the verdict of peace. The evidence also points to the verdict of mercy and not judgment. The resurrection affords us mercy and not judgment. And so let, let's take a look, a look at something interesting that the angel says to the Marys, right? To Mary and Mary. In verse 6, he says, He is not here, but he is risen just as he said. And it would appear that those last four words are actually somewhat of a correction towards these women, Right? Because before Jesus' death, he told his disciples over and over and over again that although he would die at the hands of the religious leaders, he would be raised to life again. Yet over and over and over again, the disciples just couldn't seem to grasp this, right? For some reason, it just wouldn't resonate with them. So when the women ventured to the tomb this day, they were actually continuing in this inability to understand what Jesus said about his resurrection. At best, it was an inability to understand. At worst, it could have been that they were just struggling or even refusing to believe something so incredible. But either way, when these women arrive at the tomb, the angel doesn't cast them off for their lack of faith, right? He doesn't scold them and drive them off. Instead, the angel takes the opportunity once again, to remind them of the truth that they'd heard so many times before. The angel takes the opportunity to remind them of the truth that they're discovering in this empty tomb. And brothers and sisters, I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to hear me. God is not looking for people who get everything right. God is not looking for people who get everything right. As a matter of fact, I know he's not because none of us get everything right. On some days it would be good if I can get just one or two things right. And that's why we need Jesus, friends. That's why we need Jesus. At the empty tomb, brothers and sisters, we discover along with these women that God is committed to loving us. God is committed to guiding us through truth as long as we continue to sincerely seek him. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters, sincerity is key. Sincerity in searching for Jesus is key. Sometimes, sometimes, I think we've all experienced this, the peace and the mercy and even the joy that our heroes are experiencing in the story, sometimes it just seems to elude us. Amen? Sometimes you just can't seem to find peace of mind. 
Sometimes it feels like no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you come into church, no matter how much you're doing the things they say you're supposed to do, you just can't seem to come by the peace, the joy that these women experience, that the scripture seems to promise. And brothers and sisters, while, while this could be for a myriad, a myriad of different reasons, sometimes, brothers and sisters, it simply has to do with the fact that, with the sincerity of our search. Brothers and sisters, if we're honest, sometimes we just aren't as interested in finding Jesus as we are in finding something else. Sometimes we're just not as interested in Jesus as we are in something that he hasn't promised. And so we find ourselves wrestling with disappointment and regret instead of the peace and the joy that the women in our story experienced. Sometimes we conclude that the peace that Jesus offers isn't enough because, because we've determined that Jesus should come along with maybe a certain amount of money in our bank accounts. Amen? Sometimes Jesus isn't enough because we determine that Jesus should come along with the job that we want. Or maybe he should bring us the house that we want or the car that we want or the relationship that we want or whatever it is that we want. Friends, like the hero in our story, like the heroes in our story, we experience the peace and joy of Jesus in so much as we are trusting in what he has promised and not in what he hasn't. And this is regardless of whether or not we have these extra things. You see, friends, because those of us who have the things that we tie our hope and peace and joy to, are just as deprived of true hope or true peace or true joy as those who tie their hope and joy and peace to them and don't have them. Both of our hearts are just as far from our resurrected Lord and the amazing gifts that he offers us. So let us be sure that as we investigate this empty tomb that we are looking for clues to point us to the resurrected Savior and not to something else this morning. You see, this tomb this morning points us to the truth that Jesus has triumphed for our salvation. That Jesus has triumphed in order to offer us and give us fullness of everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, these are the promises of God to us. These are what are surely ours through the resurrection of our Savior. And these are enough. Well, with that said, in the end, there was something, better yet, someone that these women's investigate, these women investigation of the tomb was pointing them to, right? Jesus. If he was indeed resurrected, then at this point, where is he? Where is the one who was in the tomb and is not there any longer? Well, in order to find Jesus... The women actually had to leave the tomb because it wasn't until they left the tomb and were on their way to tell the disciples what they discovered that they ultimately found Jesus. They ultimately found the resurrected Christ himself. And so through our investigation of the tomb this morning, we too find Jesus himself. In verses 8 and 9, we read that the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy. 
they ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus meets them as they're running and, and he says, greetings. And then they came to him and clasped his feet and they worshipped him. I just want to say something about that. It's not a part of my notes. I want everyone, I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that when these women fall on their face and grasp the feet of Jesus and worship him, they are indeed observing what is true about Jesus. That he is God Almighty. And that's why it's so important, brothers and sisters, that we do not succumb to all these different theories that Jesus is just another prophet or just another man or just another symbol of hope. Jesus is himself the hope of the world. Jesus is himself the light of the world. Jesus is himself the sustenance of existence. He is God Almighty. And so when these women fall and worship him, they are giving him his due. Can I ask you a question this morning, brothers and sisters? Are we giving him his due this Easter Sunday? Let us be sure to worship him as God Almighty that he is. But here's the question, though. Here's the question. He meets them as they're going to tell the disciples. But why doesn't Jesus meet them at the tomb? Why doesn't he meet them while he's at the tomb with the, with the angel? Well, brothers and sisters, I believe it's because Jesus is done with that tomb business. Jesus is done with that grave business. And now Jesus is all about his kingdom business. Amen. Jesus is done with that tomb business and he's all about this kingdom business. You see, as long as the women stayed at the tomb, they could learn a great deal of facts about Jesus and his resurrection, which is all good and necessary. We talked about already. But in order to actually meet the resurrected Christ, they had to leave the tomb and go about the business that Jesus himself was about. They had to go about sharing the good news of his resurrection with others. And I think, brothers and sisters, that this has some important application for us today. Because sometimes, as Christians, I think we find ourselves stuck in the tomb too, don't we? I think sometimes, as Christians, we get so caught up with investigating the right theologies and looking for all the, the historical facts surrounding Jesus and, and our religion and making sure that we're saying all of the right things on our blogs or our websites or our social media feeds that we never actually get to just telling people about Jesus. Friends, all of that stuff is great, but we have to remember that's tomb work. At some point, we have to get out of the tomb and we have to go share with others about Jesus. We have to share with other people what they don't know happened at the tomb. There are still people out there who don't know that the tomb is empty. We have to leave that tomb and we have to go and tell them about Jesus. And if we want to be where Jesus is and doing what Jesus is doing, then that's it, brothers and sisters. Jesus is going about making himself known, and we are invited to join him. 
As a matter of fact, brothers and sisters, if we want to encounter Jesus in our lives, like the women of the story did, then we must go out and be about his work. We must go out and tell somebody about him. And so, brothers and sisters, this Easter Sunday, we've gone to the tomb with Mary and Mary. And from our investigation, we've learned that the tomb is indeed empty. The tomb is empty because he is risen, and he is risen indeed. Our investigation of the empty tomb this morning revealed that our resurrected Savior affords us peace and not fear. We, we learned that he affords us mercy and not judgment. And finally, our investigation sent us off to meet Jesus himself. And as we join him in the work of telling others, we indeed receive him ourselves. And I'd like to leave us with all with just a, a, couple, a couple of encouragements this morning. Just, just two encouragements. First, I want to say this. I understand this is Easter Sunday. And I understand that some of us, you know, Easter Sunday is, is what church is what you do on Easter. And that's perfectly fine. Just praise the Lord to have you with us this morning. But maybe you've, you've heard this sermon and you thought, man, I've never really considered trusting in Jesus like that. I've never thought about worshiping him. I've never thought about actually following him in my life like these, these women in the story. I've never, thought, I've never thought about the peace that he provides and mercy and all of those things. Well, if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you. Why don't you consider giving Jesus a try? Consider placing your trust in him. If you'd like some help with where to begin, please contact me. My email is leon at redeemeratl.org or Pastor Drew, drew at redeemeratl.org. Rachel, our worship director, rachel at redeemeratl.org. We'd love to talk to you about that. But secondly, if you're here this morning and you have trusted Jesus, maybe you've been walking with him for some time, And maybe you're in a season right now where you haven't been feeling or sensing him. I have to be honest, this Holy Week for me didn't feel all that special and all that holy. And maybe you're in a specific season like that in your life. You feel like he's somewhere far off and you're not sure how to get back to him, how to reconnect with him. I want to encourage you this morning to take some time this week to pray and ask God to present you with a clear opportunity to tell somebody about him. Look for an opportunity to tell somebody about him. Tell somebody about the amazing case of the empty tomb, the significance of the resurrection, why we go to church on Easter. Tell them something. And I'll be praying and believing this week that as we pray for and take advantage of these opportunities, we will experience Jesus afresh in our lives as we join him in his work. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together, friends. Dear Lord, I thank you so much again for this Resurrection Sunday. And Lord, I just pray for your blessing upon each person here, each person watching at home. And Lord, I just pray for your immense grace. That if there's anyone who does not know you, who has not come to believe, that something from this sermon you've used to prod their heart and bring them to you, Lord Jesus, would you do that this morning? And for the rest of us, Maybe we've been walking with you for a while. I just pray that you would grant us this week the privilege, the opportunity to tell somebody about you. And you also grant us the courage, the words to say in that moment, what to say. And I pray that through that we will experience you walking with us, meeting us on this journey of serving. 
in a fresh and new way. Lord, we give you all the honor and the glory because you are worthy. In Jesus' name.